This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today. It's Monday. I'm feeling good because I like football, and football went well for me this weekend. If you like football, then I guess maybe you had a good weekend too. Of course not. If you're an Eagles fan, I'm a Cowboys fan, and that was a fun game. Okay. Um, it's just me. Uh, Charlie is still in the Bahamas. I did finally talk to him last night for the first time, and I found out that he's coming back on Wednesday. He won't be here for the show on Wednesday, I'm sure, because he's traveling that day. Uh, but he'll he'll be here for the show on Thursday and then for Dumb Bleep on Friday. Uh, the live group is voting for Dumb Bleep of the year. I'm not with them either because I just did some kind of random update and now my settings aren't working to connect to the uh, the live group anyway that's not for you guys to worry about make sure you follow the show subscribe do all those things if this is your first time listening just know there's normally two of us and right now there is only one so you're not going to get any of that witty banter back and forth and i'm not even hanging out with the fed haters club right now so it's literally just me it was a very interesting weekend all football aside the the main thing I wanted to talk about today is free speech. Uh, a big thing happened over the weekend that honestly, I did not think was ever going to happen. Even after Alex, Alex Jones's conversation with Tucker Carlson that came out last week, uh, I you know you could kind of, you could kind of tell that maybe Tucker was trying to bring him back into the mainstream a little bit. I still thought to myself, well, there's no way Elon Musk is going to let Alex Jones back on X. Free speech absolutist or not, he already said he's not going to. He's already going through all this stuff uh, with the advertisers and all of the uh, claims of anti-Semitism, all that. So there's no way he's going to go one step further and let Alex Jones back on X. But I was wrong. I was very wrong about that. The conspiracy theorist, InfoWars, Alex Jones is back on X, and that should at least be exciting. Of course, all of the left-wing media, they've all got the same talking points. Uh, they all call him conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. And honestly, if you're going to call anyone a conspiracy theorist, I do think that that can apply to Alex Jones. It just so happens he's been right about some things. But when you throw a whole bunch of stuff against the wall, some of it's going to stick. That's kind of my... That's kind of my two cents on Alex Jones. I've never been a never been a fan. Okay, I can't stand listen to him talk. Uh, listening to him talk, it's just not my thing. I'm sorry. I know a lot of libertarians love the guy. Uh, seems to be a big Trump supporter as well. From from what I can tell, anyway, stolen election, all of that. Um, it's just not my thing. But you know what? Free speech. That's a hell of a thing. 
You know, you got a platform where anyone can speak. I think that you need to be on there. Now, as far as a business decision is concerned, not, not great in my opinion. And I will say it's kind of bittersweet for me because I get it. Uh, let everyone on there, uh, let the chips fall where they may. Free speech is more important than money. I do, however, worry about the long-term plan here. And I worry if Elon Musk knows that X is going to eventually go bankrupt, that someone else is eventually going to take it over and he's just kind of hit the uh, the old F it button and making sure that he sticks to his principles on the way out the door so no one can give him crap for that. I worry just a bit about it because I do think it's going to hurt them getting some of these advertisers back. And um, I, I wonder if there's a trade-off there. Like you you keep him off of there and you're still able to make some money on the platform. I get it. That's not principled. It's not principled at all. I understand. Uh, but I, this did kind of make me worry about okay, so we have a free speech platform for a little bit, but does this mean it's going to go away sooner than later? I don't know. Uh, the Washington Post says Elon Musk restores account of conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on X. There was a big uh, Twitter space X space, like, which makes me want to say space X, uh, that had a bunch of big people in there. It had Tate uh, in there. It had Alex Jones. It had Elon Musk, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, taking bathroom breaks with his mic on, all kinds of cool stuff like that. The thing went on for a couple hours. Uh, at the time that I that I popped in there, there were 100,000 people listening in the thing. And uh, so clearly a lot of people interested about this. We'll see how it goes. Now, a lot of people are very upset about this, of course. Uh, he did this after doing one of his polls, one of his Vox Populi, Vox Day asking if he should reinstate Alex Jones on the platform. 70% of the nearly 2 million votes said yes. About 30% of them said no. I, I don't like it when he does these votes. He kind of takes the decision out of his hands, although he knows what the people are going to vote, what they're going to say. But he's able to say, well, the people voted. This is I'm just putting this up to a Democratic vote, and this is what the people on the platform want. Uh, to me, that removes the principled part of it because what if they voted no? Then are you still a free speech absolutist? I don't know. I just don't like how that kind of removes the responsibility from him making the decision when he posts this stuff out. Um, one of the critiques of this, Fred Gutenberg, who I, I believe one of his children died in the Parkland shooting. And of course, Alex Jones, known for being a Sandy Hook denier, that's why he owes people like a billion dollars that they're never going to get paid. Um, Musk had posted out, I vehemently disagree with what he said about Sandy Hook, but are we a platform that believes in freedom of speech or are we not? Apparently that comes down to how the people voted, not what you believe, Elon. That is what it comes down to in the end. If the people vote him back on, this will be bad for X financially, but principles matter more than money. Well, there weren't any principles. You put it up to a vote. What if they would have voted in a different way? So I, once again, kind of annoying talking about principles there. Fred Gutenberg responds, says, no, Elon Musk. He did more than just say things. He defamed people, which the courts have decided. There's judgments against him. The legal system is working that out. And he incited violence and harassment against them. 
I don't like the idea of incitement. You can say things. It's still up to people whether or not they do anything after you say things. Uh, he has a $1.5 billion judgment against him. You are free. You could still be on X and have judgments against you, by the way. You are free to say stupid blank, as you often do, but lying about your motives only reinforces how pathetic you are. I mean, what else do you think his motives are in this case? He knows this is going to cost him money. They're already having a hard time with advertisers. This is going to make that much worse for sure. So so what are you saying his motives are, Fred? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. And I'm sure neither is Elon Musk. So listen, it's a big, it's a big weekend for free speech. We're going to talk about the um, the universities. You know, they had that uh, congressional hearing that went kind of poorly for some of the heads of the major universities. Uh, there's also COP28 going on right now. We're going to talk about something Al Gore said. Uh, overall, it's a win for free speech. What a time to be alive right now, where a guy who's sometimes the richest person in the world buys a platform and restores mostly free speech to millions of people after the government had worked so hard to take control of those platforms and take it away. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's a pretty cool time to be alive. And if you are, if you're worried about what Alex Jones is going to say, I mean, what better platform for him to be speaking on than X, because X has a great thing called Community Notes. And this is something that I think uh, the critics aren't realizing yet, is that if Jones goes out there and posts some kind of crazy stuff that has no backing behind it whatsoever, or making claims about people or making claims about historical events or whatever, Community Notes has been hard at it right now. They're going to have to open up a whole other floor for Alex Jones and the people over at InfoWars. Uh, but they're going to end up having things that Jones posts out that's got a big community note under it. And instead of pushing all of his comments down into the basement onto the black market where his followers just see him as more and more right all the time. And of course, the fact that uh, he was censored back in 2018, that means he was right about everything and they don't want you to hear the things that he has to say. They are trying to keep him silenced, whoever they are. Uh, now he's going to say things right out there in the open in front of millions of people who weren't hearing him before. And you might have the opportunity for him to get fact-checked every now and then. Whereas before, I doubt he was getting fact-checked that often, just on his own little private show on his private website. You know, So this, this is much better, in my opinion. You can have people responding to the things that he's saying. And the truth can win out. You know, why not have that? That sounds much better to me. So moving on from that, listen, I'm just not, I'm not a big Alex Jones fan. I, I, of course, he's got the right to say whatever he wants. Um, I've, I've been down with some of the, in, in fact, when the Sandy Hook thing first happened, there for a minute, I saw some of his videos about the shooting and I was like, huh, that is weird. That guy was laughing until he went up to the microphone and then he looked like he was crying all of a sudden and and uh, that, that person does look like they could be an actor or or uh, we didn't really see any shots of uh, the kids or whatever at the school. Like, and I was and I was free to question all that stuff, just like everyone else is. But eventually the truth wins out and it's much harder for it to win out if you just push it down there in the back alleyway and you have back alley uh, misinformation you know, you're always going to get stuff like that. So what about uh, Al Gore? He's talking about 
people having access to non-mainstream information and talking about that threatening democracy. Of course, it really threatens him because he's known as a guy who makes claims about stuff that have never turned out to be true. And he's made a whole career of saying things that never turned out to be true. And so, of course, he wants just the mainstream media to be running all of the information that goes on out there because they're not going to fact check him on everything. And so now when he's out there talking, well, you get a community note or you get some alternative opinions out there. That's very dangerous for democracy or Al Gore. I don't know. Let's see what he had to say. To one based on broadcasting and then moving on to the internet and to social media has disrupted the balances that used to exist uh, that made representative democracy work much better. Because a free self-governing people rely on a shared base of knowledge that serves as a basis for reasoning together. The shared basis of knowledge, he wants to be uh, cultivated and put together by very specific people and in big corporations that are all taking marching orders from the government and not from just the people all putting all of their knowledge out there. Uh, He doesn't want that whatsoever. Let's keep going. Collectively. But uh, if you have social media that is dominated by algorithms that uh, pull people down these uh, rabbit holes that are a bit like pitcher plants, these algorithms, uh, they are the digital equivalent of AR-15s. They ought to be banned. They really ought to be banned. It's an abuse of the public forum. But when, these, when people are pulled down these uh, rabbit holes, you know what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole? That's where the echo chamber is. Uh, and if you spend too much time in the echo chamber, what's weaponized is another form of AI, not artificial intelligence, artificial insanity. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. What's the definition of insanity? Like saying... Uh, for him, might be saying the same things over and over again and none of it ever coming true? Or would uh, artificial insanity be the people who actually believe the things that he says all the time? He says these algorithms and the way people are getting their information on social media, they're just as dangerous as AR-15s. They need to be banned just like AR-15s do. Well, he's wrong on both of those things. And he's seeing that there is a danger facing him and his power, and the power of all the people that he's talking to, the power of the guy interviewing him, the power of all of his friends that are hanging out out there at COP28 right now, that's what they're actually worried about. It's the same thing that they worry about when people have AR-15s, because that threatens the government's power at all. That holds, that keeps the government's power at bay some, somewhat, all right? So don't, don't be fooled. Uh, let's go on to this university thing. Now, we didn't really cover the... Uh, congressional hearing that happened last week. They're talking about anti-Semitism and uh, on these uh, college campuses and whether or not it goes against uh, their, their rules, whether or not, you know, they can allow people to say maybe genocidal things, maybe from the river to the sea, maybe supporting Hamas or maybe just supporting Palestine or maybe just being against Israel, the government of Israel in general, or maybe they're just straight up anti-Semites. And so they were being asked about this. Uh, I believe it was the president of, um, I think it was UPenn that uh, was let go. 
And don't don't be fooled there either. That's because of money. That's because of big donors pulling millions of dollars away from the university. It's not because the university had the had a come to Jesus moment on anything. Um, that's it's because they're worried about money. There was this really interesting uh, opinion piece in the let me see Washington Post called to fight anti-Semitism on campuses. We must restrict free speech. To fight anti-Semitism on campuses, we must restrict speech. And this is from uh, Claire Finkelstein, Finkelstein, who works for Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, I believe. Uh, The testimony of three university presidents before a House committee last week provoked outrage after they suggested that calls on their campuses for Jewish genocide might not have violated their school's free speech policies. One of them, Liz McGill, was forced to step down on Saturday as the president of the University of Pennsylvania, where I, this is the writer, is a AMA faculty member. But their statement shouldn't have come as a surprise. Congress could have assembled two dozen university presidents and likely have received the same answer from each of them. This is because the value of free speech has been elevated to a near sacred level on university campuses. Let me read that again for you. This is because people should not have been surprised by their answers because the value of free speech has been elevated to a near sacred level on university campuses. And if you've gone to a university or you've paid attention to what's been happening at the universities over the last few years, you're probably laughing right now like I was when I first read this. As a result, universities have had to tolerate hate speech, even hate speech calling for violence against ethnic or religious minorities. With the dramatic rise in anti-Semitism, we are discovering that this is a mistake. Anti-Semitism and other forms of hate cannot be fought on university campuses without restricting poisonous speech that targets Jews and other minorities. Countering speech with more speech, which is what we would say needs to happen, may just mean adding to the hateful rhetoric on campus and would not solve the problem. And university presidents can set up all the task forces, study groups, and educational modules they like, but what kind of educational effort could possibly bring warring groups together that are busy calling for one another's violent demise? Well, what are you going to do when you just don't allow people to speak? They're, they're going to go underground. Their ideas are not going to be challenged. They're just going to assume that they're right, and they're going to just assume that you're part of it, that you're part of this big structure. They're not going to learn that they're wrong. They're not going to learn any lessons. They're not going to hear from other people because you're just going to ban people speaking to each other. Kind of like what happened with Alex Jones and all the things that he says. While open expression and academic freedom are critically important values in higher education, there are other values that universities must promote as well. For example, encouraging civil dialogue across differences. How are you going to do that when you're going to ban some speech that people are saying? Cultivating critical listening skills. What are they going to listen to when people can't talk? Developing the skills to build community relationships, promoting the ability to engage in moral reflection. Why would you need to reflect when you're never wrong? And building resilience in the face of challenge. What challenges will you face when no one can challenge you? These normative skills cannot be taught. I, by the way, some of that was not what she was writing. That was, that was my response to some of the stuff that she wrote. 
These skills cannot be taught effectively in an environment where students and faculty are hurling calls at one another for the elimination of ethnic, religious, or racial subgroups. Universities must also consider their obligations to broader society as they prepare young people to assume responsibilities in public life. What values do university presidents think are most important to prepare leaders in a democracy? Well, certainly not allowing people to say what they want. The ability to shout intemperate slogans or the ability to engage in reason dialogue with people who have moral and political differences. Is it any surprise that students educated in an environment of anti-Semitism would behave as anti-Semites in their adult lives? I just want people to be challenged. I want them to be told that they're wrong. Now, of course, some of these protests, and especially where people are being intimidated, they liter- where they literally don't feel safe, not like you don't feel welcome. I mean, like you don't feel safe to walk on campus or you're getting shouted at every time you go from building to building or your your uh, your travel is being impeded by people. Uh, those those things should definitely be tackled. And, and also, another sidebar here, if they're private. If it's a private university, I think they can make whatever rules they want. I don't think the government needs to get involved in this uh, with a private university. We just need to be aware of the kind of values uh, that they're upholding at those uh, universities. Like all skills, students will become experts at that which they practice most. Privileging free speech on campus relative to other values emphasizes skills that pose the greatest challenge to our democracy and fails to cultivate the skills democratic societies most need. This is the paragraph I found to be the most egregious because... She's talking about how, well, if you privilege free speech, uh, though that will emphasize skills that pose the greatest challenge to democracy. If you allow people, you privilege free speech, that poses the greatest challenge to our democracy and will not cultivate the skills that democratic societies most need. So to build a better democracy, we need to have these people go through an environment where they're not allowed to say the things that might upset other people. And that is how you build the best democracy. That's great. The crisis of anti-Semitism in our universities mirrors the crisis in our democracy. Isn't it time for university presidents to rethink that rule and open expression and academic freedom play in the educational mission of their institutions? Now, responding to this, uh, this previous line that I highlighted here, which you could watch, you could see that I highlighted this line if you go watch this on YouTube or Rumble or, or Odyssey or whatever. This is because the value of free speech has been elevated to a near sacred level on university campuses. And this is someone who comes from the University of Pennsylvania. So I was like, okay, how is free speech going on college campuses? Well, I went to FIRE, their website, and uh, 2024 college free speech rankings. Isn't this great? What's the state of free speech on America's college campuses? They've got the uh, best and worst colleges for free speech right here. The five best and the five worst. The five best are Michigan Technological University, Auburn University, University of New Hampshire, Oregon State University, and Florida State University for the top five. The bottom five are Harvard University. That's the worst one. University of South Carolina, University of Pennsylvania, Georgetown University, and Fordham University. 
those are the uh, the bottom five. But of course, coming from someone who is on the faculty at the University of Pennsylvania, the problem here is that we've elevated free speech to a sacred level. There's nothing these colleges can do because they just let people do whatever they want on these campuses. Deplatforming attempts at these bottom five schools. Uh, Harvard has tried to deplatform nine people. Uh, they were 78% successful at that. University of South Carolina has tried to deplatform four people. They were 100% successful. University of Pennsylvania has tried to deplatform six people. They uh, were a 100% successful at that. Georgetown tried 10. They were 60% successful. Fordham University tried three, and they were 100% successful. So, of course, they have elevated free speech to just a, a uh, massive sacred level here. On this survey, how comfortable would you feel doing the following on your campus? They say very uncomfortable, somewhat uncomfortable, somewhat comfortable, very comfortable. Um, publicly disagreeing with a professor about a controversial political topic. The uncomfortable side is about 70%. Expressing disagreement with one of your professors about a controversial political topic. The uncomfortable is about 60%. Expressing your views on a controversial political topic during an in-class discussion, over 60% are uncomfortable with that. Expressing your views on a controversial political topic to other students during a discussion in a common campus space, space such as the quad, dining hall, or lounge, uh, 55% are uncomfortable with that. Expressing an unpopular political opinion to your fellow students on a social media account tied to your name, uh, about 75% of the respondents were uncomfortable with that. But of course, they have elevated free speech to a near sacred level on college campuses, and that is the problem that these universities are somehow going to have to tackle. Now, they propose, uh, the Wharton Board of Advisors at UPenn has proposed a resolution to punish any student or faculty member that uses hate speech or celebrates murder or genocide. The proposed resolution uh, is vague and threatens to ban wide swaths of speech. This comes from Jonathan Friedman on X. Uh, let's see. Standards of behavior in this proposed resolution. Students and faculty or employees will not celebrate or advocate for the murder, killing, genocide, or annihilation of any individual classmate or any group or individuals in our community. Okay. Students will not engage in hate speech, whether veiled or explicit that incites violence. Well, how do you prove that it incites violence and what do you call hate speech? Students will not use language that threatens the physical safety of community members. Okay, well, threatening physical safety of people. Students who violate the above standards of behavior will be subject to immediate discipline. The hate speech one is concerning for me. And I'll tell you what bothers me about this. This all comes down to people having protests on college campuses and uh, you could say they're supporting Hamas. There were people out there celebrating what happened on October 7th, which I, which I think is gross. You know, I think that that's really a disgusting uh, thing to do to celebrate the kinds of things that happened on, on October 7th. And of course, they're talking about anti-Semitism. What do they call anti-Semitism? Anyone who is against what Israel does is anti-Semitic. Now, there are people who actually just hate Jews for being Jews. But even people like Nikki Haley has said that they need to change the federal rules and definition to include basically the critique of Israel, that that's anti-Semitic if you're out there critiquing Israel or talking negatively about them. That's really dangerous. Let me tell you why this frustrates me to no end. Uh, 
I put out this thing on, on X over the weekend and it said Republicans in 2020, quote, uh, hate speech doesn't exist. In 2021, um, what is it that they said? Uh, hate speech is free speech. Snowflake, get over it. And in 2022, they're like, oh my God, George Orwell was right in 1984. This is crazy. And then in 2023, they're like, ban hate speech for anyone who talks bad about Israel. That's 2023. 2024, they're like, vote for us because the left wants to take away your free speech. Look, just look at what's going on on college campuses. And that's the kind of thing that's really bothering me right now that I, I mentioned last week, I think on Dumb Bleep of the Week as well. Are there actually any principles out, out there? I know there are some people who are principled. I, I do. I, I hear a lot of people talking that are principled, but the mob on any side when it gets together, the mob has no principles. And right now what we're seeing is, our, what we're seeing are calls to ban hate speech on college campuses after years of talking about how terrible it was that people weren't allowed to speak on college campuses because people on the campus were calling right-wing talking points hate speech. And of course, there's just no free speech on college campuses. Uh, Charlie and I went and saw this uh, documentary. I don't remember who put it together, but it had a lot of the Daily Wire people in it, and it uh, was called No Safe Spaces. It was a good documentary talking about what was going on on college campuses. And now it's like they're calling for that. If it's anti-Semitism, if that's the thing that you're worried about, and anti-Semitism could be hating Jews or calling for genocide, or it could just be being against Israel's strategy and the war against Gaza. And it it's very troubling to me now that they're going to come together and we're going to have the right and the left come together and say, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we should ban hate speech. And guess what? The left is going to get their hate speech. They can get banned. The right's going to get their hate speech. They can get banned. And all this talking that we did over the last several years about how there was no speech on college campuses, no free speech on college campuses, everyone's just going to completely forget about that and say, well, at least no one's saying anything bad about the Jews. I mean, I know that you can't go out there and talk about Thomas Jefferson or you can't spread any libertarian ideals out there, uh, or you can't say any facts as it pertains to police brutality or, or whatever it is, uh, but at least no one's out there talking bad about the Jews. And so, you know, we just got to take that win. And it actually never was about free speech. It was just about you being allowed to say the things that you wanted to say. And at the end of the day, the right and the left are going to come together to hold back speech because it was never about the principle. It was just about the things specific things that they cared about in that moment. And they'll agree on this just like they agree on military spending and welfare spending when it comes to Congress. You know, the, the right will vote for more welfare spending as long as they can get the left to vote for more military spending. And all that happens is the government grows bigger and bigger. And that's what happens when people don't actually have any principles. And I'm really worried that that's the point that we're moving towards that what we're, whatever rules we're going to force these colleges to come up with are going to make it harder for people on the right or for libertarians to go out there and talk about the things that we want to talk about because there will be a certain portion of the student body that equates that to hate speech and we won't be able to do it. And everything that we've said about this over the last few years still applies even to people that are upset about what people are saying right now uh, about, about Israel or, or about the Jews. 
Uh, you don't you don't get anywhere whenever you abandon your principles. But not to leave you on too bad of a note, uh, I guess on free speech wins. Uh, we got we got Alex Jones back on back on X. I'm just excited for the community notes section of it. All right, folks, if you enjoyed today's short episode, nice Monday show where I wasn't able to even go live today. I don't have any co-host. Just uh, just spitting facts right now. <laughs> uh, then make sure you tell a friend or a family member to follow and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, share it in a text message to someone. Say, hey, listen to this podcast. And if you've already done all those things, well, make sure you go leave a rating and review. That's very important for the uh, tyrannical AR-15 algorithms out there that Al Gore was talking about. Uh, so you want to do that. And if you've already done that as well, then you need to go to GodHatesFeds.com and get yourself a God Hates Feds t-shirt or you can get yourself a Don't Tread on Me t-shirt or whatever other shirts and merch or coffee cups and other random stuff that are on the merch store, GodHatesFeds.com. And go to JoinGML.com so you can hang out with myself and Charlie and the Fed Haters Club every single day of the week when we want to. If you do all of those things, I'll be right back again tomorrow. Same Liberty time, same Liberty channel. Until then, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.